All right, welcome to episode 25 of the At Bat Podcast presented by War Media, where we give you our thoughts on the latest Chicago baseball news as well as take a trip around the league. I am Saul Rodriguez along with Miles Porter. How are we doing, man? Doing good. Doing good. Happy to uh, have this day off, sort of, some <laughs> from work. So, uh, yeah, all invested. I was at the Cubs game yesterday uh, and watched Alfonso Rivas take three strikes. <laughs> Sorry. Three. He took He took three. He didn't see he didn't this is the lead off the ninth inning, you know. Me and Cubs need a rally to get going. Took every single pitch. Strike one, two, three. I mean, at least at least swing at one, at least follow one off. Yeah. Show me that you care. Right. Besides that, just swing <laughs> no, a little just a little piece, nothing too crazy. Like none of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. Oh, <laughs> oh man. No, yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, uh, it's just uh the way it's been going. So I'm not, I'm not surprised, but right. on the bright side, on the bright side, uh, we did do have a guest today and we're uh, really, really, uh, it was a great interview that we had already. It was Dominic Catronio. Uh, he, uh, he does a lot of things. It honestly, like going down the list. I mean, he just does so many things for, for when it comes to baseball. Um, you know, he does a post game for the Brewers. He does stats for Valley sports and TBS. He does play by play. So, a lot of stuff, and we break it down, talk Brewers baseball, talk uh, Cubs and White Sox, talk rule changes. So, yeah, definitely want to stay tuned for that uh, towards the end of the show. Uh, but, of course, we're going to start off with talking about our own uh, area, which is uh, Chicago and White Sox baseball, where the White Sox are 76-71 and 71 to start uh, the week. We are filming this on a Monday. And they, they had a good week when it comes to winning losses. But when it comes to gaining ground, it wasn't, you know, not it wasn't any anything good because they're sitting four games back of the Guardians. Uh, as we sit here now with about everyone's got maybe like 16, 17 games left around there. Uh, it's just because at this point for the Sox, it just feels like every game should be won uh, because of the circumstances. Um, uh, easier said than done. Uh, but we'll go over uh, just their series and, and what happened there. So they played, they finished off the series against the Rockies. They, it was a, just a two gamer. They, they lost three, nothing Freeland uh, outpitched Dylan cease. Um, it, it just feels like one of those games they should have had also. I mean, these games this week, uh, you know, with Cleveland or sorry, not Cleveland with Detroit and uh, Colorado, you just thought they should have won all of them. Uh, they played Cleveland for one and they, they won that game. And at that point in time, uh, it just felt like the tides were officially changing. Um, but uh, after that win uh, in which Lance Lynn pitched a, pitched a great game, he had six innings, uh, two earned runs, uh, and he and uh, also the Sox hit five home runs. After that, the Sox went to Detroit, um, and they lost the first game of that series in extra innings. That one really hurt. I mean, Jose Abreu, he had a big hit in the eighth. Uh, and the set, you know, they the uh, Tigers hit sack fly in the 10th inning. Um, that's the one that won it for them. They ended up winning the last two games of that series, ended up winning that series. But it was, again, just another missed opportunity when it came to uh, that loss, just because uh, uh, Cleveland, I believe, I believe Cleveland lost that day, if I'm not, I'm not mistaken. Either way, they won a series against the Twins over the weekend. So the Sox weren't able to gain that much ground. But, yeah, just uh, what's your take on the Sox overall week and, and kind of the – it sounds funny because they only lost two games in, uh, throughout the week. Uh, what, what, how does it feel with, when it comes to, like, the missed opportunity aspect of it all? It's just that point of the season where you can't – you just – every every loss is going to hurt. Every loss isn't good. 
uh, especially against teams like the Tigers. This is a team that you got to just you just have to take care of business when it comes to them. Um, this is a team you got to sweep. You know that you're still really crawling back for at least a wild card spot. Um, but aside from that, this is a team that's been playing very well. You know they're you know, they're they're winning games right now. I think I think there's a lot of confidence. I'm not gonna say too little, too late. But you know, I think that there, there's, you know, the chances are dwindling pretty significantly at the moment. I think that this is something. This is something that it's 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 unfortunate, uh, just because of the expectations that we had for this team going into the season. But there's a lot of stuff to address going into the off season, and I am, you know, I, I'm 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 hoping maybe there's some sort of run they can pull together, and go, uh, you know, for these last few weeks. But it's it's looking a little bit dim. I just love to see the fight in them. That's my big thing. I love to see the fight. I love to see them coming back. You know, for the most part, they're taking care of their business right now. You know, keep your foot on the gas for the rest of the season. For what's left in the season, you know, maybe something good can happen. But you know, it's 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 unfortunate that it took it took us till this point uh, to really find our groove. Yeah, and, and and we even talk about it with Dominic too in the interview today and just how uh different they've been playing un- uh, without Tony LaRusso. And again, we said it last time, we'll say it again. Hopefully, you know, he gets back in the dugout ASAP. But it is it is interesting to see the how they've played under uh you know Miguel Cairo, you know, because um it, the way that he, you know, and we talked about it last episode a little bit too, is the way he addressed the team and he, you know, he said that, you know, that you know, it came out to, to the media that he um had told the players, you know, if you don't want to win, if you don't want to be here, then leave. And I think that, you know, that obviously, you know, lit a fire under the socks that, that has uh, been able to help them. And, and it showed when it, when it comes to the wins and loss record, you know, but like I said before, they also need people to lose ahead of them. You know, Cleveland hasn't really lost that much. They've been able to maintain uh, their spot in in the division. So yeah. And that's what, that is what is unfortunate about the spot the Sox are in is that, you never want to leave it up to another team, right? You always want to be the one in control and Cleveland yeah. is in the driver's seat, not yeah. the Sox. Um, but speaking about Cleveland, uh, the Sox do have uh, the rest of the season is huge, obviously, but uh, this, it kind of starts the big stretch finally, where it's just mostly uh, AL central teams. Um, they play Cleveland uh, for a three game series. And then besides, you know, the rest of the way, besides a little series against the Padres, which should be fun to watch, the rest of the way is just AL Central teams. Starting again with the Guardians this week, yeah. uh, what, what do you think we'll see in that series? And do and what do you expect from the team like the Guardians? Uh, how are they going to match up against the Sox? Yeah, I'm expecting a pretty hard-fought series, honestly. Mm-hmm. These are two te- – one team's trying to maintain what they have. The other team is trying to catch that team. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be this is gonna be a pretty you know a pretty hard fought series you know you got Savali on the mound for game one. I think the Sox can really you know get to him early. I really do. I, I've I've always believed in this team offensively. Uh, I think a lot of what's been going on the past week is offensively. This team has been really been clicking on all cylinders, which has been a pleasure to watch. We, we you know we we talked about you know Vaughn was a grand slam, the Brave. There's so many good things to take away from this team offensively over especially over the past week. Um, I don't I don't see a reason why the Sox don't you know kind of make the Guardians sweat a little bit. Don't don't let the, do not let them take this take this uh, division and just and just walk all over you and just run away with it. They're going to take it. The Sox are going to have to be the team. Uh, make them fight for it. 
Make mm-hmm. them sweat when they come to Chicago. They're coming to your house. You're fighting for something. That's that's. I mean, that's like the main thing. That's the main thing. Stay motivated. Stay fired up because good things can happen. The Sox take, you know, they take three from this team and then take care of business against the Tigers. All of a sudden, it's a little bit different now going forward. Now there's much more pressure on the Guardians uh, to, to, you know, to finish strong. And the White Sox will be the ones with the momentum. To me, it's now it's now or never. Either either you you, you take care of business against the Guardians and then, you know, you handle the Tigers this weekend. Or we kind of have this 500 mindset where it's like, we'll win a few, then we'll lose a few. And we'll see what happens. No, it's it's you you win both of these series, or that's it. That's it for the season. So, you know, I I think the Sox are gonna make this team sweat. I think they know what's at stake. I think I think Kairos has been incredible. I think he's been incredible for this team in terms of firing them up. And I think with that mentality that he's given these players, there's so much good, so much um, so much good momentum going into this series. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, and it, it, it really will be a showdown, especially it being the last uh, time that the Sox play the Guardians this season. So the Sox really want to leave the the Guardians with a with a you know with you know with a taste in their mouth that they though they know the Sox are right behind them. So it's gonna be you know definitely the definition of a showdown, and it's cool that you get to see Dylan Cease take on Savali in that first game. Uh, it's gonna be I mean the both teams um yeah. have basically the, you know the, the top tier pitching going you got C Savali game one Lance Lynn mm-hmm. uh, McKenzie game two and then Johnny Cueto and Bieber in game three so uh mm-hmm. Sox are gonna be throwing everything they got at them and it's good that it's at home as well uh the season series yeah. is nine seven Cleveland so these two teams have been neck and neck not only uh in the division but uh against each other so um yeah it, it's it's literally it's really is mind-boggling how uh how much of a parody this this not only the division but just these two three teams in the division have been all season twins are obviously fading out i mean somebody say they're done um seven games back of the division so uh that you know might be it but they will have their chance at uh you know having their last say against the Sox because they do face so- the Sox for six of the last uh nine games of the season so it's going to be a fun ride and um, definitely going to keep an eye on all on, you know on those games in Cleveland because those are going to be playoff games. These yeah. basically all the games are playoff, but when you play yeah. teams that's ahead of you, that's you know more mm-hmm. than just a game. So, yeah. so three against Cleveland, three against Detroit. That's what's uh, awaits the Sox this week. Uh, shifting over to the north side of Chicago, the Cubs are sixty-two and eighty-four. They sweep the Mets and then they lose a series to the Rockies. Um, they they had a it was bas- it was really a weird week. Um, when you look at it, because you know we're over here hyped that you know they swept the Mets, a team that's you know a lot of teams consider you know World Series, uh, they could be in the World Series. Um, they themselves are, are facing you know obstacles and the Braves and all that. So it was cool yeah. to win that series, sweep that, yeah. and then and then the Cubs come back home and, and lose a series to the Rockies. So that's kind of just says it all, <laughs> kind of says it all right there. Um, in in game two of the Mets, uh, we talked a little bit last show about how the Cubs beat Degrom. Ian Happ had a big home run in that one, and then in game three, uh, they won that one six three. They scored six runs off uh, of Peterson in the first, um, and they never looked back. And that one, that one, I thought was for us that we got nothing to look forward to. Uh, was a really fun one because just Mets fans were just 
giving it to them, you know, to the team, uh, you know, on the field in, in the first inning, just booing like, yeah, no tomorrow. So good to see that. Uh, then, yeah, like I said, that first game of the uh, Rocky series Cubs started off. Well, Marcus Stroman won at home. He dazzled. He, you know, he uh, led the Cubs to two to one win. McKinstry had another home run for the, for the Cubs. Um, and then after that, they ended up, you know, it was two more competitive games against the Rockies, but they still ended up losing them. Uh, game two, uh, they lost a three, one, uh, game three, they lost four, three. Uh, one of the cool things I did want to talk about is just, uh, you know, was Nesky and how good he's been, uh, you know, whether it be out of the bullpen or, you know, out of, you know, as a starter, which just was his first start. And he was, I mean, just, you know, almost untouchable seven innings, sure. one on run seven K's. Um, yeah. Kind of what, what are you seeing from the kid? Like, it just he seems to not be phased by the big leagues at all. So, uh, what do you like so far about him in, in the Cubs uniform? I, I love that he pitches with so much so much focus. There's also a lot of confidence there as well. Um, you know, for 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 you know being 24 years old and and being you know thrown into such a big market on a team that is looking for guys who want opportunities, looking for guys who are going to perform and be a part of the future. You know, I, I think I think you you look at Wisniewski and is there's so much to to be excited about, um, in in terms of his stuff, just just attacking hitters, not being afraid of anyone. He's just going right at him, and I think that's one of the big things going forward. Is you know, there's a difference between you attacking a hitter and you just leaving stuff over the plate. Um, no, he, he's attacking. He's he's giving every hitter his best stuff, and it, it, it's showing. So you know. Is, is players like this that I, you know, I, I think it's okay to feel optimistic about going forward. I, I think, you know, we, we do have a small sample size, but all in all, there's so, there's so much good to, to look forward to. Now, do I want to see him during the full year of pitching? Absolutely. But even with this small sample size that I'm seeing and the big games that he's pitched in or big games, important games, I think, I think that there is something to be said there. Um, so, you know, that's just another one of those pieces that we could look at in two to three years now and think, Hey, remember when he, when he, when he had those first few starts in 2022 and now, you know, we, he's a part of this next giant, uh, core Cubs team. So, you know, I feel good. I feel, I feel really good about this kid going forward. Yeah. And we've talked about him before, obviously in the show, like when he made his debut and all that. And, um, I, at the time I, I, even I said, like, I like his stuff out of the bullpen and you never know what, where he's going to end up, but and you kind of said it too, whether it be the starting rotationers, you know, out of the bullpen, yeah, I think he's going to be great, but, and kind of seeing him out of the, you know, as a, as a starter, I mean, that looked pretty nasty. So um, definitely like him regardless of where we put him at. Um, and I, and I think the way that the Cubs are kind of shifting towards or the, the way the direction they're going in, he might be good out of the uh, rotation uh, because of the fact that, you know, guys like Albert Alzola have come back and, uh, kind of like their roles. I think they, they they're kind of getting accustomed to maybe like a, a bullpen that might be the future for for a guy like Al Solai, a, a spot in the bullpen. Who knows? Um, but either way, um, it's you know to have more pitching, uh, you know, come back from the injury list or whatever. Um, and you know to get a couple more looks at before the off season to kind of give the Cubs a little bit more of a of a preview or in in a way of also to you know trade pieces or stuff like that whatever they want to move around to to make this team better so uh, we'll see what happens in there 
Uh, Javier Assad, you know, he had a, a tough start in that Rocky series. Um, you know, he's been doing so well up, up to that point. I mean, just his stuff looks good, and he just got tagged for some runs in the in the first two innings. Um, and the Cubs weren't be able to recover in that in the series finale. Uh, another thing I want to talk about too is Nico Horner. Uh, his triceps triceps injury looks a little worse than than they expected, um, or than they thought. Uh, the MRI revealed, uh, you know, just a, uh, you know some more tough news. Uh, so uh, D- David Ross said he is uh, he does feel good, but he's gonna need a few more days. Uh, but he's gonna avoid the injured list. So I guess that's good. We'll we'll see him in, uh, you know sooner rather than later. Uh, but Christopher Morales looked really good at shortstop. So that's you know that's something that um, that's been a plus uh, in that case. And that we and they've said it before, right? That Christopher Morales is gonna be uh, their super utility man. You know the future, like the you know the guy. But and, and a lot of people take that you know and say think he's gonna come off the bench or something. And it's like no, that's not what they mean. I think what they mean is that he could play everywhere, right? Regardless, he'll be in the lineup. And he'll just be everywhere, kind of like Ben Zobris has been uh, doing, like throughout his career, did that. So it's really good to see uh, Christopher Morel do that. And then one last thing, too, that I did want to get uh, your take on was uh, it is the end of an era in Chicago, on the north side of Chicago, as we finally say goodbye to Frank Schwindel. Man, the sloppy swish, man. Listen. <laughs> <I> <laughs> It's it, here's what here's why I I really here's why I really feel this one when when the entire core not the entire core when you know when when our guys were sent off last year the trade deadline uh you know Cubs fans were kind of left with this empty feeling of well, who's gonna who's gonna give us that entertainment or that joy that we that we had mm-hmm. uh Frank Schwindel's run last year for for that half of the year that he had. Uh, it was so entertaining. It was so entertaining. The the personality that he brought, his pro- like how productive he was at the plate. Um, just just you know how how vibrant he was and how he'd make a every time that there was a PFP and he flipped the ball to the pitcher to step on first, he'd point to the. It's just it's just, it's just uh, he provided he gave us kind of that 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 joy and enthusiasm that we needed for you know for the north side. So for that, I'm very, very, you know, thankful for you know what he did in the first half, in, in, in his in his in the second half half last year. Um, so there's there's so much that I just you know I, I would just say thank you and best of luck to 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 your future endeavors. I think that he's a very very solid fielding first baseman. He came he he came after someone who which is a pretty hard act to follow up in Rizzo. So uh, for him to to to, to come to Chicago and, and be himself and perform for as long, perform well for the, the period of time that he did. I think it speaks, you know, volumes for the kind of person he is um, bigger than the ball player. So I'm, I'm super, you know, I'm super thankful for that. I, I even, I was on the fence about him. I was like, man, he's no Rizzo, man. I'm not trying to hear it, man. But, you know, he ended up becoming one of my favorite players on the, on the Cubs for his time here. So you know, I'm I'm wishing I'm wishing him the the best of luck. If I had to say anything, it'd be thank you for the for providing us with the optimism that uh that a lot of the fans needed uh when you know when a lot of players parted their way. Yeah, man, and the thing is too is it's that 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 run that he had in 2021 was, I mean it. There, there's no way to put it. It was MVP like. I mean, yeah. it really was yeah. by like by the numbers. You look at the numbers. He played yeah. you know, played with us 56 games. 56 games 
He had an OPS plus of 165, an OPS of 1,000. Uh, <laughs> the dude was nasty. Yeah. And so uh, it, it it's like nothing to take lightly. But yeah, I mean, it's it's one. It's like you say, you know, which from the best, and 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 uh, I'll always I'll always remember Frank Schwindel because he was there when we needed a hero most. Exactly. It's true. It is because Thank we needed you a, for the swish. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully, and and not even hopefully, he'll find another team and he'll yes. start for another team for sure. Yes. Um, and you know, hey, maybe you know, hey, and who knows? You, you know, we might see him uh, have some. Frank the Tank magic in the postseason one day for like the Braves or something. So, right, yeah, yeah, hopefully, exactly. Hopefully, he gets to do that. So, um, and uh, the Cubs they do play uh, Miami and they play at uh, Pittsburgh uh, this weekend. So it's cool to uh, go around and and see, have some nice scenic uh, parks. Because other than that, uh, we're just playing for fun at this point. Got a you yeah. know, handful of games, but hopefully can rattle some wins because because um, as my own, I've created this myself. Nobody else has. Uh, but this is uh, the chase for 70. You know, the goal is to just win 70 games. If we win 70. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, the, dude, if yeah. we win 70 games, it just looks better. And it looks a little more inviting for a free agent. You know, if you yeah. I think if you look at a team that won 68 games compared to a team that won 72 or something like that, it's different. I don't know. You never know. Yeah. Any, anything yeah. helps at this point. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Give us 70. Give us 70. Yeah, exactly. Give us 70. <laughs> the chase for 70. Yeah. Uh, I've deemed it. So we'll we'll see what happens. But. Uh, that's going to be all the time we have for, uh, this segment of the show, but, uh, coming up, uh, Dominic Catronio joins us uh, and he, we talk, uh, like I said, we talk Brewers baseball, White Sox baseball, his career, um, as a play by play. And also as a stats stats man for the Brewers Valley sports TBS. So, uh, definitely, uh, hope you enjoy this. Um, and, uh, we we'll see you on the other side. We'll sign off for you. All right. Enjoy the interview. All right, welcome to the interview portion of the At Bat Baseball Podcast. On today's show, we have Dominic Catronio. I, I saw I saw your Twitter. It says on there, you know, the pronunciation. I made sure to pay attention to that. You know? it. <laughs> all right, we got it. And then, uh, and yeah, looking at, I mean, just your bio says it all, but I mean, kind of to show introducing what you do. There's a lot, so I'm, I might miss a few things. You do a lot. Uh, he hosts the Milwaukee Brewers post game on Wisconsin 620 WTMJ. Uh, you also host your own podcast, the Lockdown Brewers podcast. Uh, you do play-by-play for the Pac-12 Network, and you do stats and research for Bally Sports and TBS. Thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be here. I think you got about, I think that's everything. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, right. Okay. Depends <laughs> on the day, really. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. And then uh, I was telling you a little bit off air, just like the fact that I've seen your stuff, uh, whether it be stats on Twitter or TikToks and stuff like that. So kind of seeing like your career and all that is kind of interesting of what you do. So definitely uh, kind of want to start off on uh, like getting to know you. So tell us where you're from and, and how you got into baseball and also uh, your career and just kind of talk a little bit about it. And you can focus on baseball just obviously because it's a baseball podcast. So kind of go for it. See what, you know, see what you got. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, baseball is the majority of it, quite frankly. So I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, uh, grew up there, went to Arizona State University. And I've always known I've wanted to be a play-by-play broadcaster and was doing it at Arizona State for every sport imaginable, from baseball to hockey to pickleball. Um, did everything I could, then got to do Cape Cod League Baseball, got to do minor league baseball, and then 2020 happened and the whole world got turned upside down. Uh, I was uh, laid off from the Astros organization. I was in AA at the time. I mean, minor league baseball is a very budget-centric, uh, you know, business and that I understood, and you know, the the crazy times we were in so 
turned out to be the best thing that could ever happen to me because then I moved to Milwaukee uh, in the spring of 2021 to work for the current role that I'm in with Valley Sports Wisconsin with Brian Anderson as his stats man. And that's blossomed into, you know, doing national work on TBS and for their postseason as well. So uh, it's very much a case of hard work, right place, right time. And I still am planning on trying to get back into play-by-play. It's just uh, this is a, a pretty darn good consolation prize in the meantime. That's amazing. Is there uh, is there any uh, announcers that you've listened to growing up that you admire? For me as a Cubs fan, it's it's, it's Pat Hughes. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you, who who would that be? Well, it, it, the other thing, too, I, I forgot to mention is my dad's a broadcaster as well. My dad works for the Oakland Athletics. This is his 30th season in the show. He's been the number two voice there for the last 17 seasons. So I've obviously listened to my dad for a long time. Uh, when I was younger, I was in Texas when he was with the Rangers. So Eric Nadell is a big mentor of mine. Uh, he's the radio voice of the of the Rangers. Uh, obviously, Brian Anderson, who I work for and I'm on location with right now as we're getting ready to do TBS this week. Uh, and aside from them, John Miller is a long time uh, absolute gem of a voice. Uh, I, I, I'm also one of those people that I listen to the radio more than I watch baseball on TV. So maybe some guys that folks are, I mean, talk about Cubs, Len Casper, before we switched down to the mm-hmm. South side. I mean, on TV, he was great. He's even better on radio. So uh, it, there's so many great radio broadcasters out there. Uh, that's kind of where my niche has come from. But those, those are the ones that jump out to me. Man, you mentioned John Miller. I feel like, you know, growing I mean, I'm I'm going on twenty eight now and kind of like uh I feel like he's underrated. Nobody talks about John Miller enough, I feel like. Right. I don't like, know if he could be underrated and be in the Hall of Fame. Th- I think it's the West Coast <laughs> thing. Well, yeah, but John yeah. is also one of the nicest dudes on the planet. Yeah. He prepares meticulously. Everybody loves him. He treats everyone fairly the same. You know, and for you know, for us, like, like kind of very young formative years of Sunday night baseball. Yeah, exactly. So he, he just so iconic and one of the best and uh, the Giants have one of the best booths in all of baseball with him oh, and yeah. radio and then Krupp and Kipe on television can't beat that yeah no yeah it's like the, everyone talks about you know Vince Scully to do this and that and I'm like I don't know if people are like around our age I'm, I'm assuming you're around our age a little bit because mm-hmm. I'm in 28 miles 25 so like you know I feel like nobody really mentions and like John like they, they don't mention John Miller the same way and I'm like dude John Miller is like one of the best of all time and like just Sunday night baseball like that grew, growing up on that and like you know, his, uh, just his, his voice with him, you know, him and Joe Morgan, it was awesome. So, uh, yeah, great, great to hear that. I mean, definitely growing up, I, I also want to be a play by play announcer. So it's, I kind of, I can relate to that. We're like listening to guys and kind of doing, it. and that's pretty cool knowing too, that your dad is, is also, uh, has been in the business for a long time. It's pretty awesome. And I also kind of want to shift out to like the brewers and then you obviously were with the brewers wanted to get your take on, on how, where they stand right now. Obviously, still in the hunt, still in the playoff hunt. They, you know, a lot of people picked them to pick the Central. Obviously, in, at this point in time, it doesn't look like they're going to do that with 16 games to go. They're eight games back. But kind of uh, where do you stand right now with where the Brewers are heading, uh, especially, you know, they still haven't got a chance to play in the postseason. A lot of folks want to point to the fact that they didn't add a bat in this mm-hmm. past trade deadline and the trade of Josh Hader might have rattled mm-hmm. the clubhouse more than they expected to. Chemistry is a thing that isn't really quantifiable, and it's mm-hmm. something that, might have impacted the Brewers more than they anticipated. But when I look at the hitter market this past trade deadline, it wasn't great. It didn't really fit the needs of what the Brewers needed. And the price was exorbitant from what I heard from my sources of what teams were asking for for their hitters. And quite frankly, the Brewers, it's an infamous line now from President of Baseball Operations, David Stearns, but I believe it 100% of him saying, we want to take as many bites at the apple as possible, meaning 
look, we can't just tear it all down for one year. Anything could go wrong. You look at this season with all the injuries the Brewers have had starting-wise and relief-wise, uh, even position players too, it's not worth it to go all in for this season. And they can be equally excited about their top-level AAA prospects right now that should be helping the team next season. And they have somebody being compared to Ronald Acuna Jr. right now in AA in Jackson Churio. So is it worth it to trade one of those guys for a month and a half of you know, of a rental bat, I don't think it's worth it. And the Brewers have to be creative in that regard because of their market. And it, it sucks to make those hard decisions now, but I think three years down the road, we're going to look back on that deal. Man, they were, they saw the long game. And I, I do think that maybe you probably are going to be on the outside looking in this season because of the lack of tiebreakers against the Padres and Phillies. You're still in a great position to compete again, healthy next season. Yeah, I like that you that you made that point. I've always thought that the Brewers are a very talented team, especially looking at, you know, the division this year. The you know, the Central isn't one of the most competitive leagues, uh, divisions in the MLB. Um, but you know, with that being said, do you feel like there's more of a long-term goal here with the Brewers? Kind of like you said, you know, if we don't, you know, there's no you know, success going into the to the postseason uh this year. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talent coming up. Would you want to see them add any veteran arms, veteran bats? Do you see that kind of being a factor that'll help them, uh, you know, kind of push pack past the Cardinals next year? Or are you pretty content with what they have coming up? Well, you got to remember their core is intact for another two seasons, right? Corbin Burns is not a free agent until 2025. Brandon Woodruff is not a free agent until 2025. So, yes, they're going to get more expensive in arbitration these next two years, but Freddie Peralta is on a team friendly deal. Aaron Ashby, who's one of their young studs, is on a team-friendly deal now. Uh, they've got Willie Adamas under team control for another two seasons. They're in a window right now that they should be complementing that core. Renfro's under team control for another season. You look at the talent they have arriving, a lot of it's in the outfield. I mean, Churio's an outfielder. Uh, another kid, Sal Freelich, who's a first-round pick from a year ago, is a speedy outfielder. So you have those guys complementing your power of Renfro and Adamas. And if whatever Yelich becomes, if he's a – if he becomes an elite leadoff hitter like he's been in the second half of the season, so be it. It's better than getting nothing out of him like you had in 2020 and 2021. So the Brewers are certainly in a very good position to rebound next season. It's easy to overreact and say, oh, my gosh, it's all over, tear it down. Look, the Cardinals have been one of the best teams in baseball, not just in the Central, but in all the baseball in the second half. I don't know what it was going to take to stop that train because they have been incredible to watch. Uh, tip my cap to them and Wainwright and they've got that voodoo magic going on right now with Molina and Pujols getting ready to retire so they've got all the energy in the world but uh, it's it's been a heck of a year but I think the Brewers are very ready to compete again in 2023 yeah and and that's you make a good point with the Cardinals I mean going into the season I did pick the Brewers to win the Central I just I, I just the way they play against everyone in the Central I was like I I could see it and the Cardinals I going into it even though they had the types of players they had I was kind of like ah, I don't know if the pitching's there but you know as you said they got some magic going on and it's it's really cool to see as a, even as a Cubs fan it's really cool to see you know Albert Pujols a guy you've seen almost like your his whole career and kind of you know uh you know flourishing even in his last season it's awesome uh obviously this being a Chicago baseball podcast wanted to get your take on each uh both the Cubs and the White Sox uh, obviously the Cubs are in the middle of, I guess, a rebuild, even though they don't want to say it. Uh, but they obviously, a lot of people think, Hey, they make, make a couple additions in the off season. Who knows next year, maybe a wild card team, who knows, but the, in the, on the white Sox end of things, they could still make the postseason this season. Uh, I just wanted to get, uh, your take on, on both of these Chicago teams. Well, I'll start with the white Sox because mm -hmm. they're, they're really in a 
in a predicament right now because obviously we know Jerry Reinsdorf and Tony LaRusso go way back, but clearly the team is playing better without Tony LaRusso. So uh, it's one of those things that they're going to have to address that elephant in the room coming up this offseason. Um, but what a run they're trying to make right now and prove that they can stay in this. I don't think they're going to have enough pitching to get it done. Lynn has been decent, but Giolito has been a disappointment. Cease has been incredible, but it, it, the bullpen has been so weird trying to get it to Hendricks, and I, I just don't see it happening for the White Sox. And for the Cubs, I mean, shoot, they are kind of a sleeping giant, if you will. But here's my my thing with the Cubs. I mean, a lot of their money is dead money, of course, in, in Jason Hayward, but they're only spending $20 more million than the, than the Brewers. That should never happen, and the Ricketts family should never get away with that. I, I, they should be ready to spend this offseason – if Correa opts out, they need to be the front runner to get Carlos Correa because, look, Nico Horner is a great defensive shortstop. Nick Madrigal, I know you traded for him. You'll find a way to make room for Carlos Correa if one of those guys needs to slide a third or slide a second, whatever it is, because the Cubs need to be real players this free agency. Stroman turned out to be a great deal. You don't know what you're going to get out of Hendricks after his shoulder issue. They need to go into the pitcher market. I still think they're a sleeping giant this coming off season and some of their talent is closer than a lot of people give credit for. In fact, Brennan Davis actually went to the same high school as me back in Arizona. So he went to Basha. I went to Basha as well. He's obviously a few years younger than me, but knowing from the people that I've talked to what they believe he can become, I mean, he's playing a lot of outfield as of late. He can be somebody very, very exciting. And it's very odd that they're probably going to give the qualifying offer to Contreras so that way he can get a draft pick compensation. Mm-hmm because they're not going to pay him. Who knows? It, it's all very odd right now for the Cubs, but they are somebody that as soon as the Ricketts decide to open up the checkbook, look out because they should be somebody that competes every single year. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that, you know, I was at the Cubs game yesterday. This is something that every Cubs fan is talking about, you know, going forward. Do you feel with these, with these rule changes coming into the MLB uh, next year, does that affect any team's planning of, you know, how they want to pick up guys or in terms of pace? And, you know, you never know because some of these guys who are coming in to pitch and there's, there's a pitch clock, you know, just, just pitching quicker in between pitches. Does that, you know, waste their energy a bit? How much do you think this impacts the MLB going forward next year in terms of just teams adjusting their rosters? Well, I don't think the pitch clock's going to impact as much as many people say it is because and people all want to point to the pitchers. There are a lot of hitters that take forever to get into the box, too. So those guys are going to equally be affected. They're big leaguers, man. It's not going to take that much of a difference. And quite frankly, I think they'll welcome the change. What I think you're going to see in baseball coming up is the priority on defense all of a sudden. Uh, Range, speed, agility. We're getting to see athletes again, not just, oh, pluck a guy at second base and we'll shift them over. Or, hey, pluck a guy at third base and we'll shift them over and have the short. No, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. So. Uh, I, I see defense being a priority, and the Cubs are in a good position if they don't get Correa with Horner and Madrigal, some great defensive up-the-middle guys. Uh, I don't see Hap as a future center fielder, but, hey, it, it can work in the time being. But athleticism and range is going to be in vogue again, and even stolen bases are going to be in vogue with the new pickoff rule that not a lot of folks have talked about that. You only get two pickoffs per plate appearance, and if you don't get them on the third, it's a balk, and he goes to second. So, Speed and agility and athletes are going to get back in style here in baseball coming up next season. No, yeah, you make some good points. And, and yeah, I've had plenty of arguments in the past, like, you know, a week or so. Just people are like, oh, this, you know, people questioning the integrity of the game. And I'm like, I, I don't, I, I don't understand where they come from with that. But 
it's definitely going to be interesting when, you know, going forward with the rules and it's definitely with the shift and all that. Cause obviously the clock, I don't think it's going to affect necessarily the, the game in general. It's going to like in the sense of when you're watching, I think it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be smoother maybe, but the shift is the one I think is going to be the most interesting. I think to see how it affects the game. And I definitely want to see more offense. So I'm fine with that. Uh, well, Dominic, we ran out of time, but hey, great having you on and best of luck with your career. And I definitely want to have you on, uh, you know, sometime real soon, man. Appreciate you coming on. Awesome. Thanks guys for having me. Hope you guys uh, have a great show moving on. All right. Thank you. All right. So thank you again to Dominic Catronio. Uh, as we told him, we haven't had that many guests, you know, on the show as with a young, young podcast, you know, so, you know, wrapping up almost, we're almost going to wrap up. We're 10, 25 episodes in, we're almost going to wrap up our first season. So it's, you know, you know, so we're, you know, and we, we still have some stuff in the off season that we, we got planned out. So hopefully everything works out. Yeah. Um, so uh, but yeah, thanks again to Dominic, and uh, that will wrap up another episode of the At Bat Baseball Podcast presented by War Media. So for Saul Rodriguez and Miles Porter, we'll see you next week, everybody.